Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Well, it is so good to see you, and I, I am just absolutely, this is absolutely awesome. I figured that I ran everybody off last week, and, <laughs> and here you are. Um, so good to see you. We're going to continue today um, with a series that I started last week, and uh, we're going to be in for a little while. Who knows how long, um, but the 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 title of the message comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 23 we're going to read some verses here in just a minute and um, i want us to grab a hold of that uh, that title and i'll share that with you in just a minute well let's just read it how many you want to just read it y'all just want to read it? let's just read it so let's look at verse 20 chapter 6 Deuteronomy verse 20 in the future when your son asks you what is the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us a land. He promised an oath to our ancestors. Let's stop and I want you to notice those words. He brought us out from there, where? Slavery, right? In Egypt. To bring us in to give us a land. And I keep wanting to, to title this series, He Brought Us Out to Take Us In, but I cannot get past, He Brought Us Out to Bring Us In. And there's a difference. And I think the difference is that in this verse, He teaches us that He always goes before us. He's always, he's always there before we are. We will never go anywhere that He hasn't already been. We will never go anywhere that He hasn't already cleared the way. I know some. I know when we uh, when we first started harvest, <clears throat> I, we felt like pioneers. Now, now harvest style of worship now is um, is everywhere. Uh, King uh, many churches in the area do the same kind of, of music, worship music, and some of the stuff that we do. Uh, but when harvest first started. It was not so. We felt like pioneers because we were kind of like branded as, uh, well, I'll, I'll say it like this. We had somebody visit one time and they left saying, if I, wanted to, uh, if I wanted to go to a nightclub, I'd go to a nightclub. I don't want a nightclub in church. And so, and I think, they, I think night and the lights off is kind of how they came about with that. Uh, that was just one of many, 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 many criticisms because this area had never seen anything like this. 
So we kind of felt like pioneers. We felt like we were going in and we were cutting down the weeds and killing the snakes and, and doing that. But in, in the reality, we weren't. It felt like it, but we weren't because God was already there. Because God never brings us out to take us in. God brings us out to bring us in where he's already at. He always wants to take us where he is. That's a loving father. Brought us out to bring us in. In this series, um, it is so big, and, and as I'm studying it, and I, see, when I come in here, I have to have an apple instead of a tree full of apples. Because I can't preach all those apples. I just need one. And it makes it really hard when, this, when a text is like this one that has so many. So I have to try to grab something and, and come. And so we're going to grab something. I don't know what it is yet, but by the end of today, we'll know. <laughs> we will have grabbed something, <laughs> good and bad, and, and got it. We talked about Israel and, and the fact that God... See, for you, God brought you out of 22 to take you into 23 or to bring you into 23. Why? Because he's already there. He already knows 2023. He knows everything that's going to happen in 2023. Do you realize that? He's not going to be shocked by anything that happens in 2023. And we ought to find comfort in the very fact that our daddy already knows what's going on. He already knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen on, on every spectrum, on, in, in everything. He already knows the plans. There's nobody that's devising plans that he doesn't know that they're devising plans. Yeah, hello. Do you find comfort in that? No? Yes? Three of you did. Yeah? I find comfort in that as well. And, and so think about this. As we move forward into an area where he's t he said, I'm, I'm taking you out of this into this. I'm taking you out of slavery, and that's what he did for them. I'm taking you out of bondage, that's what he did for them, and I'm taking you, his intentions, taking them to the promised land that he promised their ancestors, right? Here's the problem. 400 years of slavery, that's a few generations. By the time you get down to the generation that is leaving slavery, that is leaving bondage, they're thinking like slaves. They don't know anything else. That's all they've ever known. So they're thinking like slaves. They're thinking like people in bondage. When they are delivered and God did some amazing things, signs and wonders and miracles to deliver them crossing the Red Sea on dry ground, amazing things. And God delivered them. And on the other side of their, their first baptism through the Red Sea, on the other side, they begin to complain and they begin to talk like slaves and they begin to talk like people who were still in bondage. You tracking with me? God delivered them from Egypt. He got them out of Egypt. The problem was getting Egypt out of them because they had never known anything different. 
Some of you may be saying, but what does all of this have to do with me? What does, what does people coming out of Egypt have to do with me? What does Israel thousands of years ago, what does that have to do with me? It has a lot to do. Paul said that, that, that the Old Testament is a schoolmaster. It teaches us. Sometimes it's like looking in a mirror and, and it, in, when it's not possible for us to see ourselves as we really are, sometimes the Holy Spirit can say, here, I'm going to show you something in, in the entire time I'm showing it to you. You're going to think I'm, I'm, I'm showing you somebody else, but then I'm going to pull all this together at the end. Not me, him. I'm going to pull this together because I'm going to show you that I'm not just talking about Israel, but I'm talking about you. And I was not just the father of Israel, but I am your father. And I want to lead you into a wonderful place. But are you doing the same things they did to keep from getting there? Anybody with me? I think that's the struggle. But sometimes it's hard for us to see because we live in a selfie world. Can I borrow your cell phone for a moment? Do you mind? Thank you. Who's in your favorites? Can I call somebody and we'll ask them? <laughs> okay. Okay. That, she's got a picture on here that's, there, there's another person in the picture. So that messes everything up. But most of the time we're doing pictures by ourselves because we're in a what called a what selfie we're in a selfie society. And so this is what, a self, this is what it looks like. <laughs> Am I right? Do you only see 5,427 statuses in the first 37 seconds on Facebook that look like this? No, you don't. I know what you're thinking. You don't ever want to see that. And you will not. <laughs> not that specific one. Thank you, honey. That's, that is the world we live in because we would rather create an image than to be one. We would rather create this, this. How do you know, bud? Well, I will tell you how I know. Because if you look at some of those pictures, give you, for instance, I'm, I am about somewhere in the ballpark of 265 pounds. And I've got a rather round face. By the time I get through with the filters, I could have a black goatee, a skinny face, a 200 pound body with muscles popping out. Everywhere. Uh, well, I will tell you, it would take a special filter for that. But some of the pictures I see of people who I actually know, and I look at the picture on Facebook, and then I look at, actually look at them, and I'm thinking those two people are not the same. <laughs> those two. What's the Sesame Street... Uh, Say, say it again. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things is just not the same. <laughs> and, and it's supposed to be the same person. Why do we do that? Yeah. 
We need to be loved. We want to be loved. We desire to be loved and we think nobody can love us for who we are. So, we take, we, we don't grow old gracefully. We fill all the cracks and the crevices with Bondo and then we put a new coat of paint on and think we look younger when everybody else is going, what just happened? I just encourage you to, okay, I realize that I have gone from preaching to meddling in territories that I do not belong. So let's slowly back out of that one. And let's go into the scripture, which is why I am here. There's a command that the Lord gives, and this is the apple today for today. There's a command that the Lord gives in this. If you remember, if you remember, I told you that Moses, of course, God used Moses to lead the people out of bondage, out of slavery. He, he brought them to Sinai where they came into covenant with God, where God is saying, you were, you were that people, but you're no longer that people because now you're my people. And I have made a covenant with your ancestors and my covenant is with you, and I'm going to take you into the promised land. And so God establishes a loving covenant with his people. And they are 11 days away. It's an 11-day journey from where they are before this, where they were after receiving all they got, 11-day journey from there into the promised land, and it took them 40 years. 40 years, and it took 40 years because of rebellion. They rebelled against God. You tracking? They rebelled against God. And here's where we have to look into the picture to say, well, do I see my image or not? Because we don't want to get lost in Israel alone and say, man, those people were knuckleheads and miss the fact that we can be knuckleheads too, right? So I'm not just preaching to those, I'm not preaching, just preaching about those knuckleheads, I'm preaching to people. <laughs> now, 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 you thought I was going there, but I was not going to go there. Look at verse 1. Chapter 6, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing, that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. They're not there yet. Forty years, and everybody that came out of Egypt, everybody that was there in that moment when they rebelled against God, they're all dead. And it's just their children now. But their children are upward toward 40 years old, some of them, but it's just their children. And these are the ones he's saying, I couldn't get your parents there because they, they rebelled against God. They wouldn't trust God. But I'm take, I, want, I want to take you there. I want to teach you what it's going to be like on the other side. Though we know Moses didn't get to go. 
But I want you to go to the other side. I want you to experience this land flowing with milk and honey. I just need you to walk with God. And look, listen what he says. So that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors has promised. He's saying God's promised you some wonderful things, some big things, some awesome things. Listen to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now listen to this. Love the Lord your God. And, and how many of us know this is a commandment? Okay. All of the commands can be boiled down into this one. And listen to what he says. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. They originally came on stone. But for us in this generation, he said, I'm going to write it on your heart. I'm going to write it in your heart. Put it in your heart. The commandments that I give you today to be on your hearts. Listen to this. Impress them on your children. Talk to them about when you sit uh, at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your head, on your um, hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gate. Stop there just for a minute. Did you notice the command? And I want to spend just a second here. Let's look at the command. Verse, what was that? Verse uh, five. Let's look at verse five. The command. Know that the Lord your God loves you with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength. Is that what that says? Here's what I think has happened to us in some ways. We have so wanted people, and I think I, I think I understand why, because many, many years ago, the God that we heard most about was this God of hellfire and brimstone, this God who would, would prefer to just knock your block off than to love you, a God that just stood back waiting for you to mess up so he could just smack you down. That was the God that so many people heard and knew about. And so then we make this transition because we want those people to understand, okay, there is a, there is a hell. Yes, there is, but there, no believer in Jesus Christ will ever go there. And so in our mind, it's like, but people need to know God loves them. And so we went into God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. We just need you to know God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. To a point that we, we kind of came to this place that we changed the command. In the command, we changed it to know that the Lord your God loves you with all of his heart rather than what the command really is. And the command really is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Do you see that? Why does that matter? Because if this one 
doesn't come first, the other is empty. It is a bucket with holes. You will never be able to love God, to love people the way God created you to until you've done that one. You ever known people who were so insecure? And I'm talking about in human relationships, but they were, but they were so insecure that you found yourself constantly trying to affirm and reaffirm your love and it never seemed to be enough. You could tell somebody you love them five times today and tomorrow you're hearing the words, you hate me, you don't love me, you want to leave me, don't you? You want somebody else, don't you? Where's that coming from? When there's a hole in our bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza, when there's a hole in our bucket, nothing stays. All the affirmation you try to pour in, it won't stay. Why? Because when we, oh, mm, yes, I'm just going to come down there and talk to you a minute. Because when we live in a selfie world where it's all about me trying to get loved, be loved, I just need somebody to love me. And God built us all to be loved. Don't get me wrong, he built us all to be loved. But when we go around it backwards, it leaves us empty. So we're constantly trying to get loved and be loved. And we cannot do that as long as this hole in the bucket of our life where we have failed to love God. You want to, this is not a marriage seminar, but I just need to throw that out there. If you, I will tell you some of you will fix your relationship if you will stop trying to be loved and start loving. You're killing your relationship by constantly trying to be loved. I just need you to love me. Start loving. I love the security that Jesus has. We don't ever see Jesus saying, but some of them, Father, some of them don't love me. I've done everything for them, and they just still don't love me. No, no, no. You see Jesus constantly loving people who are not loving him back, and he never whines about it. He, never, he just keeps on loving When we get to where we can do. See, Moses is saying when you get into that land, that land represents a land flowing with milk and honey. That land represents a place where there's many, many blessings come. That land is an awesome land. Yes, there are enemies there, but I'm going to show you how to fight the enemies. I'm going to show you how to take the enemy's territory away from him and walk in that. That's in the land. But he's telling them, if you get into that land and you don't nail this one down, you might find yourself, well, just becoming a Canaanite or a Jebusite or a Hivite or a Hittite or a Amorite. There was a lot of ites on the other side. 
And if you don't know who you are, and if you don't know that you're a part of my kingdom, and if you don't know that I am holy, meaning set apart, and if you don't know that you're holy, meaning set apart, that we're not like the rest of the lands. We don't do things the way the Canaanites do. We don't do it the way the Hivites do. We don't do it the way those other people do what they do. When you go into the land, other people are going to look at you and they're going to say, wow, what an awesome God they must have. He gives them victories where they do not fight. He's given them houses that they didn't build themselves. He's given them land. He's given them all these things. Their God must be an awesome God. But he said, you got to be set apart. I got blessings for you. And when you get over there, the temptation is going to be to think like the Canaanites think. When you get over there, the temptation is going to be to, to, to become, to, to, to embrace their morals or their immorals. That's the temptation. And God is saying, but you're my people. You're part of my kingdom, not the Canaanite kingdom. And your God's going to take care of you. And the only command that I have right here, which covers all the other, if you read the Ten Commandments, if you keep this one, you don't even have to memorize any others. Because this one, I keep pointing, <laughs> because this one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your strength. If you keep that one, all of the others end up kept. But then he said, Jesus said, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the Ten Commandments down to one, but then the one becomes two here. So he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the only thing that we got out of that was, oh, I must love myself. Or, I must love my selfie. <laughs> what God wants to do is change the inside. He wants to change us in here. He wants us to experience his love in here. He wants us to embrace all that he has for us in here and as long as we're satisfied with painting an image that we want people to think is us and we fail to let God make us be who he wants us to be we will never be happy in life we will never experience all that he has for us love him and when you begin to love him, you discover his love for you at a, at a depth that you cannot understand any other way. Do you mean tell you what? And I'll just throw this out. But this, this, this new way of thinking that it's just all about God loving me, nothing about me loving him, but all about him loving me. Do you know? I mean, think about, think about that. It's got us into this place like the Israelites 
If you study the passage, go through, and we're going to jump into some of this, but go into Numbers and you find them complaining about God brought us out. We would rather go back to Egypt. They're thinking like slaves. They want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to be slaves again. And they're saying he hates us. He hates us. He brought us out here to kill us. He brought us out here because he hates us. And, you, and then you end up with a generation like we have that is constantly pointing a finger at God, blaming God for everything that happens, getting mad at God every time we don't get what we wanted, when we want it, the way we wanted it. How do you end up with that generation? You end up with that generation when all we do is talk about God wants us to know that we're loved and we fail to say, what, what's the verb? What's the verb in that verse? Anybody know what the verb is? Because, because we Americans don't think of love in terms of a verb. But the verb is love is action. Say, bud, but what about all those places where he talks about obedience? That is a response. Obedience is a response to love. Ask Carla. I obey her all the time because I love her. In our relationship with God, we obey because we love him. We obey because we trust him. We trust that he has our very best in mind. We've lost all that in this generation. And we've created our own God. We've created our own gods. We took the real God and we turned him into some kind of a God that we want. How many of you know when you take the real God and you turn him into something else, that's not the real God. All of a sudden now it's an idol. Right? The challenge would be, how did he word this? And here's, here's where I'm going to land this plane. Verse 7, impress on your children. Talk about it or talk about them when you sit home and when you walk along the way and all these places. Talk about what? You talk about loving the Lord your God. We teach our children to love God. One of the things that's so dear to my heart and my desire for harvest is that we have longevity. Never had a desire to just be a spurt church. You know, have a year of excitement, it's all over. I want the power of God every Sunday. Let me tell you why. It's only through the power of God that people are free from Egypt, from bondage, from slavery. And if you look into this world, man, you can see a lot of slavery. Am I right? And do we need God's help to be set free? We do. And he said, but I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to know that if you're going to be successful when you get into the promised land, into that new land that I am bringing you, you've got to talk to your kids. You've got to teach your kids because you're only one generation from it all falling apart. This is going to be painful, but you all know that I love to inflict pain. This is going to be painful. 
the Israelites rejected God. They told Aaron, build us a calf. We're going to worship a false god. Sadly, Aaron built it. And then they went on to complain about everything that God did in their lives. Let me give you just a tiny piece of church history. Part of the vision of Harvest is that we, and our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You can't make anybody grow. Am I right about that? But you can lead people. We can do our part to try to lead. It's a, a, up to other people if they're going. But to lead people to a growing relationship, what does that mean? That means for us to discover our assignment, our purpose, everybody, every single person, our, our assignment, our purpose, what is it that God put me on this earth for? What is that? What did God put me on this earth for? Rewind a little bit in church history. There was a time when the, the, the word of God got, got narrowed into a little funnel to the point that only priests knew or had the scripture. See, as long as I'm the priest and I only have the word of God and he only speaks to me and I get to tell you what he says and I get to be the main guy or other churches, other pastors get to be the main guy, we become the priest who brings you continually into the presence of the Lord. There was a reason that Jesus ripped that curtain there was a reason that when Jesus died on a cross, that curtain, that curtain that separated common man from the holy of holies was ripped because God then said, it's not a matter of some other, some priest. It's a matter of all of you. I'm making all of you kings and priests in my kingdom. And I'm inviting you where you were never invited before because my blood will make you holy. And the one that I make holy is right before me. It doesn't matter who you are. Or what's your background? In that moment in church history, you did not have the word of God that you could read in your own language. But there were some good old soldiers of the gospel who said they're gonna, we're going to print the Bible in languages of the people so that they can read the Bible for themselves. Some of them burnt at stakes because they put this in our hands. Are you tracking with me? And the people were so hungry for the word of God that they could read for themselves instead of just depending on a priest to tell them what it said. They were so hungry that if they could just get a page in their language that they could read, they were so excited about it. 
but we. I want you to compare the Israelites coming out of slavery. We have it. And yet we've come back to say, ah, we don't want to read it. We just want the preacher to tell us what it says. Just give us the priest back. We don't care if we have the Bible in our language. We're not going to read it anyway. Just give us the priest that will tell us what it says. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? We have gone back in history and what we were given as a freedom by the blood of many, we just say, ah, changed their mind. Too hard to read, don't have time to read it. Let's just, just let, let the priest do it. What's going to be sad, and I hope this never happens, but what would be sad is if some, some nation under comes into our nation and says, we're taking your Bibles because we don't believe your religion. And then you know what happens? We start crying. But we need our Bibles. Put it in your heart. Put it in your mind. Nobody can take that away from you unless they kill you. If they kill you, you're going to go to heaven. I know. I do know. I know I'm way past where I ought to be. That's why I'm just going to read this one last thing. Verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, listen to this, land with large flourishing cities that you did not build Houses filled with all kinds of goods that you didn't provide. Wells that you didn't dig and vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. Listen to this. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Be careful about what? Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of slavery. You're, he's saying you're experiencing a tough time right now. All your parents are dead. You still haven't received all that God has for you. You're still kind of wandering around here in the wilderness, and God's saying, I want to take you in. I want to bring you in. And when you get there, there's going to be blessings beyond but your temptation is going to be to forget me. Am I talking about us or am I talking about Israel? I don't know. I don't know anymore. When you get into the land and you've got, you're able to buy cars and houses and you don't have to worry about where your food comes from and that's when you're going to be tempted to forget me. So America comes out of Great Depression, wars, and then God blesses our socks off. And we have, we have to rent facilities. We have to rent places to put stuff that we don't have room for because we have so much stuff. See my tracking with me? I don't rent anything. I take it to my kid's house. But anyway, <laughs> stick it in their basement. 
Are you tracking with me, guys? Let me close. We got to teach our kids. He just said, impress them on your children. We got to impress it on those children. And it's not just a matter of babysitting. It's a matter of saying, you, little one, are going to grow up to be a great woman of God. And he's going to do things through your life that you never even imagined. And he's even going to bring a good man into your life. If you stay true and walk with him. The same for you. I started that when this one was this big. And I would walk through the house at night. And I would just say, God. I named him Joshua for a reason. He's going to go into lands in ways that I never imagined. He's going to do things. Lead the way in places that I never imagined. I didn't know God was going to give him the business mind that he has to do the things that he'd done. But I knew God was going to take him into a promised land and do some big things for him because that's what God did for Joseph and I knew he was going to do for mine. God, raise him up. Make him a man of God. God, just pour yourself in him. Give him your wisdom. Fill him with your spirit. I prayed that for all of my kids when they were this big. And we can do that for them over there. The, 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 high, the seniors and the college kids went to a passion conference. Aaron and some of the leaders took them to a passion conference the last few days. While they were gone, a group of them told Aaron, Bud keeps asking who is going to be there for his grandkids. Tell him, we've got his back. That's seniors in high school and college students. Man, God's doing something here. God's raising up an army here. And part of our vision is to reach a generation that doesn't yet know that you can have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you have that, the enemy has lost his ability to keep you in slavery. Would you bow your heads for a moment with me? Is there anybody here today that say, Bud, I need Jesus. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior right now, right where I'm at. Would you raise your hand, anybody here? How many of you want to go in to where he is leading us? I think we all do. Father, we praise you. Lord, we repent of any ways of thinking that kept us out of your promised land that's kept us out of maturity and victorious living. Lord, we lift a foot from Egypt and from the wilderness and we put both of our feet into commitment into this new land that you have called us to. No longer trying to straddle the two, but we're walking in. 
because you're there to bring us in. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.